You're listening to the Boogeyman's Closet Podcast. Explicit language and spoilers ahead. You've been warned. And we are back for another episode of the Boogeyman's Closet. As always, I am Mike Alvarez. Maurice Kilfer. I'm Susie Hunt. <laughs> Susie's back. Uh, we are... Yeah, Susie's back. <laughs> back again. <laughs> Susie's back. Tell, Tell your friends. <laughs> we are covering our anniversary episode. And we're doing something a little unorthodox here. We're uh, revisiting something we already covered. <gasps> no, no, naughty, I naughty. I didn't. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> this is our our very first episode ever was Halloween from 2007, the Rob Zombie one. We figured that with it being our three-year anniversary uh, and the fact that Susie wasn't here for, for this one and we weren't doing this format, why the hell not go back and cover the 2007 Rob Zombie Halloween? Uh, so, like we said, it's, it's uh, that, that version of Halloween. It's an hour and 49 minutes, obviously directed by Rob Zombie. We don't really need to say his credits. But uh, we'll go around the table and see what everyone thinks about this. Susie, as you weren't here for the first time around, what are your thoughts? I don't know why this movie gets so much hate. I really don't. I mean, you and I are members of, like, I think, Maurice, you're in those groups, too, on Facebook. Mm -hmm. People just, like, poop on Rob Zombie's films all the time. Yeah. I really like his envisioning of Halloween. I liked Halloween, too. I like where Halloween... Two is leading into with three, much I like loved it. I don't know why everybody hates this movie. You got Linda and what's his face, Bob, um, Bill. I don't. Know. I don't know. <laughs> fodder, glasses, four eyes. We'll call them four yeah. eyes. Linda and four eyes, who are Steve and Judith. Yeah. I mean, even down to Don't Fear the Reaper plane. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know people hate Sherry Moon Zombie. I love her. Yeah. Not I, just I, because I don't she's hot. The problem. But I but mean, that helps. It does. It definitely does help. Um, Love Hurts is such a creepy fucking song to begin with. I've always been creeped out of, out by that song and Nights in White Satin. Mm-hmm. And I think that with this being a horror movie, he did an excellent job picking that for the song she dances to at the strip club. Yeah. Um, you got Malcolm McDowell. I love him. You got... There's so many good people in this movie. Mm-hmm. And, come on, Daniel Harris? Yeah. That scene, we'll get into it, but the scene where Lori finds her, mm-hmm. she is a scream queen. Yeah, like, I just, fucking brutal. So in case you didn't know, I really, really like this movie. <laughs> I watched it yesterday. This is I watched this over 20 times. Did you watch the director's cut or the theatrical release? I watched it on Netflix. So okay. I'm pretty sure that they skipped a part in the asylum. No, you watch the theatrical cut. That's the one I watched. Um, because the part oh. you're thinking of in the asylum is the director's cut. That's, okay. for, that's, that's what, what I own. It, I know. It's the one with uh, Lou Temple, right? Yep. Yes. And that's the one we talked about the first last time, time I was like, do I have my movies confused? <laughs> I thought that's that too. And then the part where um, D. Wallace gets killed, mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't remember it being this vanilla. Yeah. Well, shit. 
I have the DVD. I should have just watched the I do too, but director's cut. we've been in our house for five years next month, <laughs> and all of our movies are still in boxes downstairs. Yeah. I should have just looked on our Plex server to see if it was on there. Don't worry, because we'll actually cover both, because uh, like... I, I watched the theatrical cut just because that was the first version I ever saw because mm-hmm. saw it in the theater. Um, but I did like talk about in the notes the stuff that is missing in the, the it's in the director's cut because realistically in the director's cut there's uh, there's two particular new scenes that are different, and then there is a lot of just. There's 20 more seconds of blood. There's another slap or another, like, yes. D-Walls gets thrown here. You know, that type of thing. There's there's a lot of that, but there's really only, like, two missing scenes. So the first scene with Lou Temple. Mm-hmm. I went through IMDb, and I saw the actress. Yep. And I was like, okay, so it wasn't in Halloween 2. I don't have my movies confused. Nope. And then I thought to myself, did Netflix go ahead and, like... TBS this on me? <laughs> See, now, I have to say, I prefer the theatrical cut overall to the director's cut. And, and, and the reason why is I feel like the director's cut escape sequence is just gratuitous. And the theatrical cut where you have, you know, um, Bill Mosley and um, what's her name? Oh, my God. She plays Mother Firefly in Devil's Rejects. Um, um Leslie Easterbrook? Yeah, Leslie Easterbrook. Mm. Um, when you have the two of them, and, and like they're, the, they're basically transferring him to another facility, mm-hmm. that breakout makes much more sense to me than two crazy orderlies raped somebody in his bed and fucked with his mask, so he's just like, I'm leaving now! Like, it yeah. just... Yeah. I don't like that breakout, it's just gratuitous. And then a lot of the scenes he kept in were kind of like, why? Like, there's a scene where, okay, when, when Loomis puts um, Laurie in the car... In the director's cut, you see him slowly walk around the car and get in. Why? Why do we need that? In the theatrical cut, it's just she gets in the car, then we cut to him getting in the car. There's, you know, expediency is necessary in some of these films. Um, But there is one particular part that I I feel works better uh, in this way than, and I know a lot of people aren't going to like, aren't going to agree with this, but in the asylum where there's the nurse that, that looks at the picture of, uh, you know, baby Lori and Michael, and she goes, cute kid. In the director's cut, she says, Just couldn't be related be, to you. Right. Yeah. And that explains more why he... But at the I, same time, watching it yesterday, I'm like, no, he just, he snapped. And that's what I like. I like the fact that at, at, in the theatrical cut, he's just fucking nuts. In the director's cut, they made it, it he was reacting. He was reacting to her being mean to him. Which, yeah. when you have that, that all of his kills up to that point were reactionary... Now, when he kills Danny Trejo, it doesn't make any fucking sense. But I get if really he, sad when that happens. I, oh, I do too. But it's like, see, if he was only reacting to bad things happening up to that point, why did he kill Danny? But if we see at, in the theatrical cut where he just fucking snaps, at this point, he's just, he's a cold-blooded killer. So okay. I like that better personally. But I know a lot of people disagree because I've actually had this conversation about that particular scene a few times. And most people tend to prefer her being snarky to him, kind mm-hmm. of goading him into attacking. Um, I'm one of those people. Yeah, no, and I totally understand that. Because I think I think her goading him into stabbing her with a fork really fork kind you. of makes it more powerful when he does kill Danny Trejo. I can see that side, yeah. Because, I mean, well, we'll 
Yeah, we'll get I, to I it. Said, <laughs> I said my, my synopsis piece. I really like this movie. I, yeah. I really, really do. Well, Maurice, you know, let, let's hear what you think. We are, we are, uh, those of us that have been around forever will well, remember. You are, well, you already know I, like the, I love this movie, so. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm not going to go much into details. I, I love this movie. I, you know, I've watched it dozens of times. Yeah, same. You know, it's one of my go-tos. I will watch this more than part two. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I don't like part two, but it seems like I'll watch this and then I'm good for a little bit. Yeah. But, um, I love all of Rob Zombie's movies, so. Me too. Yeah. I, I think the hate comes from, he's a musician, so he can't do both. I think that's where a lot of the hate comes from. I think a lot of people also <clears throat> are jumping on the it's trendy to hate him bandwagon mm-hmm. because yeah. it's like, well, it's kind of like, the, like, look at the Marvel stuff. Like, oh, it's trendy to not like this because it's popular. You know, and Rob Zombie, especially this time in horror, like the early 2000s, everybody, like, House of Thousand Corpses got so much praise heaped upon it. Like, and some people might say wrongfully because it is kind of a mess of a film. I love it. I do too. But looking at it from, like, a film standpoint, it is kind of all over the place. And we did Mm. talk about how The Devil's Rejects is like chef's kiss. That's, like, perfect. That's that's film perfection. So then he got, so he got all that, like, praise for his freshman film. And then, you know, come, comes along with The Devil's Rejects and everyone's just like, oh my god, he is a master of horror. So then you do a remake. And we already know how people feel about remakes. Yeah. So And it was a remake that uh, was a property most people didn't want to see remade. Yeah. So it's one of the classics. So it was like he made one of the cardinal sins of touching a popular <laughs> slasher film to remake it. Um, and was the first of the major slasher remakes. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry, no, Leatherface came first. I forgot Texas Chainsaw. <laughs> but... Of the like the three that a lot of people say, Michael Myers, Freddy, and Jason, this was the first. I'm gonna say with those three films mm-hmm. together because those are the three I think of mm-hmm. when I think of like the first remakes of like movies when we were kids. Yeah, I I don't hate the Jackie Earl Healy mm-hmm. Nightmare on Elm Street. I don't hate the Supernatural Friday the Thirteenth. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love it! I love it too. <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. Mm. But of those three, I prefer Halloween over the other two. It's hard for me because I think Friday the 13th might top it out for me. I, I just watched Friday the 13th because I got yeah. the Blu-ray collection. The it's good. <laughs> I, I really enjoy the remake. My only beef with the remake, like I feel like the only thing that they got wrong is, and this was just a stylized thing of the time, um, it was very popular in action sequences to have like those fast, choppy, quick cuts where it was kind of hard to see what was going Through on. Through the trees? Yeah. 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 And that got annoying to me, but that's really my only complaint. I love everything about it. I even, although I was, I don't want, let's just keep going about Halloween because I could talk about the remake <laughs> of Friday the 13th for a long time too. Right. But you know what part I'm talking about. You think it's, oh, we're just about there. Yeah. Oh, no, we're not. <laughs> But uh, so, Maurice, so overall, you're you're a fan of this. Oh yeah, you don't understand the haters. No, I I love the movie. I love the actors. Uh, The music's great. Yeah, it's just uh, I don't know. People are weird. I honestly, I think Tyler Maine is one of the best Michael Myers that we got. Yeah, like I really love his performance as Michael, and I love the look of (laughs) this. He's vicious and nasty. Well, he's vicious, but he's also childlike. That's what was throwing me off, because there was that moment like where he just kind of stood behind the couch, like finishing watching the thing from another world, the movie he was watching 15 years ago, you know, and he's just like, 
watching it, head tilt, all calm. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, he'll do the thing like at the, the Strode's house, where it's like dad goes to flick the cigarette, and he just fucking pummels him with a knife and throws him by his throat into the door. It's like, Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah. I will so. say this too. <clears throat> Proud wife moment. Mm-hmm. Listeners, if you've listened before, you know the hubby, not a fan of horror movies. However, he did watch part of this with me yesterday. It's an improvement. The cemetery <laughs> scene. He goes... Uh, isn't that Captain Spaulding? I was like, oh my god, yes! <laughs> it's Sid Haig. I didn't marry you for nothing. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, both, like, like both of you, I fucking love this movie. I will defend Rob Zombie over and over again. I have, I've had to defend Three from Hell, I don't know how many fucking times. I really like that movie too. I do too, but honestly, the detractors were like, a lot of it was, well, you know, they do all these horrible things. It's like, no shit, they're the villains. Like We know this. <laughs> I'm so tired of people not understanding the concept of a main character doesn't need to be the person you root for. Right. Like, yeah. they can be the bad guy. So, I, I love his films. I want more of his... You know, hellbilly style of mm-hmm. horror movies. I can't wait for the monsters. You, I said it. I can't wait. I no, said it. You won't begin it. It's PG thirteen. Oh no, I'm looking forward to that. Oh yeah, I'm looking forward to. But you're not going to get the hellbilly stuff. Oh no, I'm oh, sure. No, he'll, no. I'm sure he'll do another hellbilly horror yeah. movie at some point. Yeah. But I like. I would love to see more of thirty one. Honestly, I'm just going to say it. I know a lot of people hated that movie, but I fucking love it. Um, I would love to see like more of that game played. But uh, <laughs> the only part of that movie Shane liked was the small Nazi. <laughs> yeah, the little he little, was like, man. "You just made me sit through murder porn." I was like, "But you love me." <laughs> oh, it's so much fun, though. It is. It's, it's like a horror version of The Running Man. And they have to hurry up and make another one because Malcolm McDowell is about to turn eighty years old. Yeah, he's getting up there. He's <laughs> so. he's got, and I didn't notice it until I watched this yesterday. Mm-hmm. How much of the old man knows he has? Mm-hmm. Oh. I have, <laughs> That's what, oh, happy anniversary. Everybody, Almost got me to spit my beer. Round of applause. <laughs> oh, God. But yeah, he definitely is, he's getting up. It's like, well, it's like Patrick Stewart. Like, everyone was, you know, talking about him coming back and doing more Professor X. And we're like, dude's like in his 80s. Like, let him rest. I mean, he's still doing Picard. Yeah, yeah. but he, he said once Picard's over, he's going to retire. And everyone's like, come on, come back as Professor X. And he's like, uh... Yeah, but now, yeah, but now since Doctor uh, Spoiler Alert, that since Doctor Strange came out, he said that he might be more open to play Charles Professor Xavier again. Well, well hey, I ain't gonna say no if he does it, but I, I'm like, let the poor man rest. <laughs> I don't know how you listeners feel about liking <laughs> Marvel movies and horror, but we, yeah. us three here, love both. Yes, you know it's it's our anniversary, so I'm gonna just go ahead and say it. There are a lot of horror fans out there that are like, if you like anything other than horror, somehow you're not worthy. Not a fa- Fuck that shit. Like what you like. Enjoy what you like. We love comic books. We love freaking action movies. You know, you guys love- are sports fans, you know? Right. I'm going to go home and put on the fucking notebook. There you go. <laughs> Although I will say it's the same movie as The Toxic Avenger. <laughs> um- <laughs> Last tangent before we get into the movie, because we were talking about old actors retiring. I saw a picture of Gene Hackman, who has been retired for many, many years. He's like 92 years old, and he's still, he's fucking adorable. Oh, yeah. Little old man, squashy Little old, old man. Little old man, yep. I, I, can't, I can't see him and not think of the South Park Hackman. <laughs> right. <laughs> I always think of that. 
But yeah, so overall, we're all fans of this film. This is two weeks in a row that everyone's had a consensus. Yeah. Because everyone hated Ab- the Abdeville. <laughs> well, and uh, at the time of this recording, we already recorded our next episode. And uh, that one everyone kind of universally agreed was a good film. Yeah. So, The Crazies. Um, but yeah, let's get into the cast. This is a huge cast, so I'm just going to kind of run through it. I'm not going to do uh, a ton of the what we know them for, because a lot of these actors are very famous. And we've seen them before. Right. So we got Sam Loomis, played by Malcolm McDowell. We got Brad Dourif, playing Sheriff Lee Brackett, which I love Brad Dourif in this movie. He's yeah. so fucking good in this he movie. Um, Tyler Maine plays Michael Myers. For anyone who doesn't know who Tyler Maine is, he was Sabretooth in the first two X-Men movies. Yep. Or and three. For- and former wrestler. Was he in all three first X-Men movies? I can't remember if Sabretooth was in part three. I think he was only in the first two. Yeah, okay. I was like, my memory was failing me for a minute. Um, You're old. I am. (laughs) He also is in Devil's Rejects. He gets killed before the credits, though. Um, Then we have uh, young Michael Myers, played by, I'm going to say this name wrong, is it Dag Furch? Is that how you say it? Or Ferrich? Like Something like that. We did meet him. Sorry, we can't pronounce your name. Yeah. <laughs> we we did meet him, and, and Maurice made him think that I was trying to grope him. Yeah. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. He, <laughs> what did you say? You're like, don't touch his ass, Mike. Yeah. And he turned around and looked terrified. Like, holy shit, this big bearded guy is going to grope me. <laughs> <clears throat> oh, shit. Wow, he's like 25, almost 25 now. And he has an illustrious rap career. Oh, my God. If you want to... <laughs> Look his stuff up on YouTube. I'm gonna fuck up Shane's YouTube channel here. <laughs> um, but he he's in uh, a couple of things. He, he's in Euphoria, apparently. He's in American Horror Story, and a movie called Run Bitch Run, which I have no idea what it is, but it's kind of a funny title. Uh, then we have Deborah Myers, played by Sherry Moon Zombie. Uh, Judith Myers, played by Hannah Hall, who we would know from the Virgin Suicides, the Purge TV series, and Forrest Gump. Uh, Ronnie White, played by William Forsyth, who obviously we've seen a bunch of times in Rob Zombie yeah, he stuff. He was so good in this. I hated oh. that motherfucker. <laughs> he was such a, like, such a hateable villain. Like, yeah. oh, man. I wanted to duct tape him to a chair and slit his throat. <laughs> right. Uh, Laurie Strode, played by Scout Taylor Compton. Uh, we know her from Wicked Little Things, April Fool's Day, the remake. Um, the Runaways, and of course she was in the sequel to this, Halloween 2. Uh, Cynthia Strode, played by Dee Wallace. Really, do we need to Everyone say Everyone knows who Dee Wallace We all know. She was the 80s mom. Come on now. Uh, Mason Strode, played by Pat Skipper. Uh, he was in Lethal Weapon 2, Predator 2, Demolition Man, and Hellraiser Bloodline. Uh, also in Ed Gein. I know you're a fan of that one. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> I was waiting for it. <laughs> uh, then we have Annie Brackett, played by Danielle Harris. We don't need to go through it. Right. She's in everything. She's a horror darling. Uh, Linda, played by Christina Klebb. She was, we actually saw her recently, in, well, not recently, but on this show in the remake of Hellboy. Oh, yeah. Um, she was also in Tales of Halloween, which I keep saying we'll get on here. <clears throat> Tommy Doyle, played by Skylar Gazondo, was in Terminator the Sarah Connor Chronicles, which I can never say right. Mm-hmm. And uh, one thing that I just watched him in was The Righteous Gemstones. I, I binge-watched the first two seasons of that, and holy hell, if you guys want to laugh, check out Righteous Gemstones. It's funny as hell. Then Lindsay Wallace, played by Jenny Gregg Stewart, who was in Elizabethtown and Bones. We also have, uh, I'm just going to run through them. We have uh, Richard Lynch, Udo Kier, Clint Howard, Danny Trejo, Lou Temple, Ken Foray, Sid Haig, Courtney Gaines, uh, Sybil Danning, Bill Mosley, Leslie Easterbrook, and Tom Towles. Like, everybody is in this fucking movie. And Mickey Dolans. Who's Mickey Dolans? Why do I know that name? 
he was hey hey with the monkeys. Thank you. <laughs> I was like, wait a second, wait a second. Yeah, the, I forgot about that. He's the only one still alive. Yeah. Sad day. <laughs> I cried when Davy Jones died. Not the pirate. I was gonna say, was he at his locker? <laughs> um. But yeah, I, I mean, basically, anyone listening to this, if you don't know the story of Halloween, I don't know what to do. Like, <laughs> Why are you even listening? Right. I mean, at this point, you got to know the story of Halloween. Uh, but, you know, young boy commits a murder, kills a sister, goes to an insane asylum, breaks out 15 years later, and goes after his little sister. <laughs> like, it's very simple. The night he came home. Dun, 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 to finish the job. <clears throat> yep. Although with this one, it doesn't really feel that way because, you know, he seemed to love little, was it Boo? Boo. Boo. Can you imagine, like, what do you want to name your kid? Boo. You do you, Boo. (laughs) But we open with a text crawl. The darkest souls are not those which choose to exist within the hell of the abyss, but those which choose to break free from the abyss and move silently among us. Dr. Samuel Loomis. Then we pan in on a dusty, nasty-looking house decorated for Halloween. Haddonfield, Illinois, October 31st. Ronnie can't work. He's busted up. That's true. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He can apparently fuck, though. He wants her to know that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He he can definitely still fuck. I will skull fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, he's just... He looks so sticky. Yes. Everybody... Okay. Not Sherry. Not Deborah. Uh, When she's stripping, she looks sticky. (laughs) <laughs> I don't think Sherry Moon could ever look sticky. <laughs> Judith definitely looks sticky. Yeah. She looked very sticky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she rolled out of bed looking oh, sticky. Her boyfriend. <laughs> oh, I got sticky. I got something to say when we get to him. He's probably got Flamunda. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He looks, his hair is all matted down and green. Oh, yeah. You know he's just gross. <sighs> but we meet young Michael in his room wearing his clown mask, which I will give this movie. That clown mask is fucking creepy. Like, I like that mask. All the masks from our childhood were creepy. I know this is pre, like, when we were kids, but think about the masks that we had in the 80s. The 70s and 80s, those plastic masks were spooky. But he's he's greeting his pet rats lovingly. Elvis. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Down in the kitchen, we meet Michael's mom and her horrible boyfriend, Ronnie, who are arguing. This whole scene is just over the top with insults and sleaziness. It's such an abusive relationship. And we're, oh, not, yeah. we're not going to quote any of the stuff he says. No. No. I mean, basically, we, we see Ronnie is fucked up. Like, he's got, was it, a busted arm, like, fingers in a split. Fingers broken. Busted leg. Busted leg. He can't bathe, but he probably didn't before anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But Judith comes downstairs to have breakfast, and Ronnie is extremely creepy with her. Mom asks her to go upstairs and get Michael. When she does reluctantly, uh, only after after giving her mom the evil eye, Ronnie comments on, man, that bitch got herself a nice little dumper. I was like, that's fucking foul, dude. Like, even if it wasn't him commenting on his girlfriend's daughter. But at first, we don't know right now that that's not his daughter. That's true, that's true. But, like, even, even if, like, that wasn't his girlfriend's daughter like just referring to she's got a nice little dumper it's like you are you into that like right, yeah is that what is that what he's getting like it's I'm just, the scat man <laughs> no just that's oh it's icky but you know, so she ends up smacking coffee out of his hand and understandably says, what the fuck did you say say it again to my face i will skull fuck you <laughs> he's like you heard me oh he sucks so it's just, it's an insane level of dysfunction in this early part of the movie. 
Upstairs, Judith goes to Michael, who's in the bathroom, tells him to quit jerking off and get downstairs. Inside, we see him washing blood off his hands and a knife. Mm. A scalpel. Yeah, a scalpel. She continues to knock on the door, and he yells, I'm not listening, and begins to scream. So again, this whole family is just fucked. Downstairs, Ronnie's bitching about how fucked up he thinks Michael is and how he needs discipline. Michael comes downstairs, tells his mom that his rat died. And he says that he's going to grow up to be a girl, and they're going to call him Michelle. Michelle. And he walks in, he goes, goes, well, hello, Michelle, my belle. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, Ronnie's the worst. Oh, but he really is. We see here that, oh, the, Judith and, and Ronnie are teasing him about his rat dying. Like, Oh, it's a and Judith rat. is like, oh, Elvis. Yeah. Elvis jerking off, and Ronnie's like, He's yeah. <laughs> like, that part still works. <laughs> Oh man! Come but, sit on my lap <laughs> with that little dumper. <laughs> and this is the part where we see how much Michael loves his baby sister Boo. Yes, like he ignores all the chaos happening around him and goes and gives his his baby sister a kiss. Mm-hmm. The rest of his family, he doesn't seem to care about too much. He loves his mom. That's true. He does love his mom. But um, he says there is down, a point when that flips, though. Yes, and while well, then we yeah. see it happen. It's that part is really well done. Yeah. But, so he sits down at the table with his mask on, and Ronnie rips it off of his face, causing the baby to cry. Michael screams at Ronnie, I hate you, and Ronnie tells him he hates him too. And he goes, as soon as my, I'm healed up, I'm going to kick your ass. He's, like, he's going to re-break his fist on his face. Yeah, it's like, you little, ah, oh, he sucks. So, four minutes into the movie, and we've laid it on thick that Michael comes from a very fucked up environment. So we cut to school, we see Michael in the bathroom as two asshole bullies come in and start talking about a kid that they beat up. These bullies, man. Oof. They suck. <laughs> Curly Lou is the worst. Yeah, he's what, from Spy Kids? I've never is seen Spy the, Kids. Uh, I, I think he's from Spy Kids. Or is he from Lava Girl and Fish Boy? Or whatever it's called. <laughs> Fish Boy! Shark Boy and Lava Shark Girl. Shark Boy and Lava Girl. I don't know, he's from one of those. I, I th- I've never seen either of those movies. <laughs> I think it's Spy Kids, because I remember them talking about in the commentary how this kid was super excited to basically swear and be an asshole because he came from, like, this kid franchise. And he was like, ooh, I get to be a dick. Yeah. <laughs> so, Turns out to be a little bitch, though. Yeah, well, I love that kill scene, though. Me too. But Michael tries to leave, and they stop him and begin taunting him about his mom being a stripper. So come in, I'm going to make copies and put them up all over school. What did you say? If I give her a quarter, what was something? Oh, something about, will she blow me, or no, will she let me jerk off on her tits? Yeah, something like or that. Or something like that. And then he says something about how he heard that she had to get the cum pumped out of her stomach. It's like, ew. Like, you guys suck. No, that was his sister. He was talking mm, about that. Mm-hmm. I heard your sister gives blowjobs in the bathroom. That's that what it was. the cum out of her stomach. <laughs> Fuck you, Curly Lou. Yep. You're so, just jealous because she wouldn't blow you. Yeah. So he gets pissed. Uh, Michael gets pissed off and tries to fight back, and they start whooping on him. The principal over here is rushes it, uh, rushes in to break it up, and I love this because he pushes Michael aside. Michael just goes, "Fuck you!" And he goes, "What would you say?" <laughs> like he's got that. Like, "What'd you say to me, more? He goes, "I'm like from the Rocky Club." <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we cut to Michael's mom coming to school, and she's pissed about it. Do you think I like being called down here every five minutes? <laughs> He's just like, no, Mrs. Myers, calm down. Now, they don't show anyone around, so you think she's talking to Michael. Right. She's talking to the principal. Right. She's telling the principal Because you hear her talking as she's walking down the hall. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And then this is where we meet Dr. Sam Loomis. He's been called in because the principal has found a dead cat and a stack of photos depicting murdered, murdered animals in Michael's backpack. 
So while Loomis is explaining to Miss Myers about how disturbed Michael is and how he needed to be evaluated and tested, Michael runs off. So we see him gathering his things out of his locker, including his clown mask, and bolts out of school while the iconic music plays. We see the bullies leaving school complaining about Michael, and the one kid says, I can't get detention again. Um, basically saying his dad will kick his ass if he gets detention again. So it's kind of like an it. He comes from an abusive family, yeah. mm-hmm. so now he's an abuser. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, and we even see, like, he just, he has to get that one little dick move in. He walks knocks, past the kid. Knocks his head off. And spits is like, in it. And yeah. It. yeah. He's like, you want it? Go have it. It's like, oh, you dick. <laughs> but Michael follows Spy Kid home. Yeah, it was Spy Kids. I have a note. Oh, <laughs> did you actually write Michael yeah. follows Spy Follow Kid Spy Kid. <laughs> well, he's not a very good spy if he didn't know Michael was following him. Right? Jesus. Cheese and rice. <laughs> Cheese and crackers. Well, he wasn't following him. He was ahead of him. Yeah. And he, well, he hid in the woods and was watching him. And I love this because he jumps out and beats him to death with a stick. Oh, my God. <laughs> I put Angela would be proud. Yes. <laughs> and he's screaming, and I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah, but at first he's like, oh, I'm going to kick the shit out of you. And then seconds later, boom. Oh, <laughs> I will say this, and I, and I said this the first time around. This sequence is one of my favorite kill scenes in the movie because of how it's filmed. There's uh, there's this thing that, that he does, that Rob Zombie does specifically, where when he's getting beat, he stops begging and he just kind of zones out and starts staring at the trees. And we get those circular shots of the trees above mm-hmm. him. And it's almost like he's having this out-of-body experience, like he's he's dying. And like there's just a weird depiction of death that is not often seen in a horror movie. And I really love it. I think it's it's just, it's brutal, it's scary... Honestly, it's suiting because <laughs> that kid deserved what he got. <laughs> but Michael leaves him dead in the woods and heads home. He just chucks the wood piece, <laughs> chucks the log. Well, he kind of he kind of hits him one last time. It's like, man, <laughs> I'm bored now. I'm done with it. So he just heads home, and we see uh, that night we see Michael and Ronnie watching the thing from another world while Michael's waiting to go trick or treating. Ronnie proceeds to mock him about torturing and killing animals. He clearly finds it hilarious. He's like, you're going to be all sorts of fucked up, aren't you? <laughs> and then uh, mom tells Michael that uh, tomorrow things will change. And she goes, so I suggest you live it up tonight. And I was like, oh boy, does he? <laughs> Judith is supposed to take him out trick-or-treating, but her boyfriend comes over. And uh, <laughs> Michael is told to go out by himself. I love mom's reaction, though, to the boyfriend. She's like, I want you out by 11. He goes, what did I do? She goes, I, I know, know what, what you, you do. do. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, whoa. <laughs> She's like, I know what you do, and it's not bathe. <laughs> exactly. Oh, so gross. So we cue Love Hurts, and we get this montage of sad Michael being sad while Mom strips at the club. <laughs> and inside, we see uh, Steve and Judith fooling around. We get our first dem titties moment. Steve pulls out the iconic Michael Myers mask and is like, boogie, boogie. <laughs> He's like, come on, I want to do it with the mask. <laughs> She's like, the mask on. Yeah, She's no. like, uh-uh. Um, I think it would have been better to do him with the mask on because at least you don't have to look at him. Uh, yeah, I mean, he was f- funky. So Michael comes inside. Ronnie's passed out in front of the TV watching White Zombie this time, which that was a nice little touch. <laughs> Michael eats a shitload of candy corn and then decides, I'm going to go kill some fools. You know what? Of course he's a psycho. He's eating candy corn. <laughs> and this is why he, candy corn is evil. Of course he's psycho, eating candy corn. <laughs> and then he's done and he's like, Eh, done eating candy. Time to kill Ronnie. <laughs> he, yeah. like, flicks the last candy corn across. He's like, like I'm I done with it now. I can't eat another bite. <laughs> Fucking wax sugar. 
Oh, man. The sugar made me do it. <laughs> the diabetes. I got the beatus and it made me crazy. <laughs> the beatus made me kill Ronnie. <laughs> oh, oh, if I'm... only he was played by Wilfred Brimley. I was just thinking that in my head. Oh, With shit. a big candy corn hat on. <laughs> no diabetes. But, so he gets some duct tape and a butcher knife. And goes out to Ronnie. And he must be real drunk. That's what I said. I'm like, dude, how did he not wake up? He he was blackout drunk. Because mm-hmm. he was drinking that bottle of Jim Bean or whatever. Yeah. It was probably um, good value whiskey. <laughs> drinking some wild turkey. <laughs> some moonshine. Gobble, gobble, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he get, Ronnie gets duct taped to his recliner and then Michael just slits <laughs> his throat and watches him bleed. And he's like, oh. That's a freaky scene. And apparently, again, in the commentary, they talk about this, where he was freaked out to let Daig do that because... It was just a thin piece with the with The, pro, the, the prosthetic, prosthetic, yeah. And then the thingy under... the. Thi- I can't... Words are difficult. <laughs> the blood tube. The blood tube. But apparently they didn't have Daig do it. Like, they, they, like he thought Daig was going to do it, and they had... Um, I forget her name, but she was Daig's stunt double. So... They had a grown woman do that. Okay. <laughs> but he was terrified because he couldn't move. And here comes what he thinks is a kid with a knife. <laughs> but so Ronnie's dead. And then upstairs, Steve and, Judith, Steve, uh, Steve and Judith finish fooling around. And Steve heads downstairs to raid the fridge with his damn dirty sex fingers. Now, I mentioned this the first time. Right? He doesn't <laughs> fucking wash his hands. Like, or any part of his body. <laughs> Oh my God, this, this is, I'm sorry, I'm going to apologize, listeners, but my note is, this finger was in your daughter, now it's in your baloney. <laughs> he's, he's so dirty. You know how, like, if you work out in the garden all day without gloves, mm-hmm. your nails, he's probably got, like, dirt in the, like, <laughs> folds of his dick. <laughs> he's got dick dirt. <laughs> dick dirt. That That is a new phrase. You done got the dick dirt. Goulash face. Dick dirt. Good job. Dick dirt. <laughs> oh, God. That is going to come back. We, are, we will find a way to use dick dirt again. Oh, I'm sure we will. <laughs> but this scene is, is brutal. Michael comes up behind him and beats him to death with a baseball bat. A metal baseball bat. And the twitching. I love, like... It's oh, like yeah. in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yes. It's yeah. like he's seizing and you just see his feet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the actor was good. Oh, yeah. That's something... He was better off dead, though. Ah, oh, Doug, you said. <laughs> but that's something we don't see enough of, like, with head trauma in a, in a horror film, is the twitching. Yeah. We see a lot of head trauma, not the twitching. Yeah. <laughs> We just really don't see enough twitching in, in horror movies. I'm a, I'm it's a, like Italian horror has too much eye trauma. It's true. Um, so yeah, after the twitching, he heads upstairs to Judith's room. She's, this is so disgusting. Yeah. Because she's laying, so she puts on, because in the 70s you had the big, the big giant ass. They look like Beats by Dre, but twice the size. Mm-hmm. Or just Beats now, because Dre sold it. That's right. So she's wearing those and she's listening to music. And she's just wearing this, like, which I have a comment about this when we get to the news reporters outside the house. Okay. She's wearing only a wife beater, an oversized wife beater. And Michael comes up to her with his bloody little hands Mm -hmm. and starts, like, tickling her up her thigh. And she thinks that it's Steve. And she's like, once a night is enough. (laughs) And she turns around. She's like, Michael. (laughs) She is not a reality girl, though. (laughs) 
<laughs> They're in the valley. She's like, get out of here. And he's wearing the mask. So where yeah. did he get the mask from? He picks it up off the floor. Because when he first walks in, we see him in the background. It's kind of fuzzy. We see him bend down and pick up the mask. Okay, and then he puts right. it on. So she stands up to kind of like push him out. And he fucking stabs her in the stomach. Like he really stabs her in the yep. stomach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because she keeps telling him to, to get the fuck out. Like you said. And then boom, stabs in the gut. And then... Oh, this is so creepy. We see her slowly trying to make her way down the hall. Like, Michael's just kind of following behind her. And he keeps slashing her in the back with the knife. Mm -hmm. So it's like she's just slowly getting a couple steps ahead and then, boom, getting hit with the knife again. So finally she falls down dead and stops moving. We see Michael come into the room with his baby sister. Still still covered in blood. Yep. He's He's like... I love you, boo. <laughs> Let me touch you with my blood fingers. <laughs> At least they're not vagina fingers. <laughs> These are vag fingers. <laughs> this is for the vag. This is for baloney. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Gross. Well, isn't it kind of the same thing? <laughs> <laughs> but I'm bumps. Poor Steve was going to caress the baloney with his vag finger. <laughs> See, he wanted to go for round two and she said no. So right. He's making himself a hot pocket. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the Wonder Bread would absorb it all. Oh, Lord. We're, we are off the rails on this one with the gross outs. It's our anniversary. <laughs> oh, shit. So he picks up Boo, wishes her happy Halloween, and then we, we see Mom coming home to find Michael sitting on the porch steps holding his sister, wearing his mask, covered in blood. And Deborah's like, oh, Jesus Christ, what happened? Now, <laughs> honey, what are you doing outside, honey? It's cold. Yep. Michael? Michael, why is the baby outside? And he's just, Michael, give me the baby. Mm-hmm. And then she goes inside, and all you hear is her scream, and then the sirens, and then the news crews. Yep. And this is one thing, and I know they do it for dramatic effect. You would never, and I've said it before on episodes, you would never see yeah. an arm flop off of a gurney or <laughs> yeah. the blood-soaked sheet. Yep. And this is the thing that I that I have a problem with, and I didn't notice it until yesterday. And like I said, I've seen this movie a thousand times. Mm-hmm. The one news reporter says that her daughter's nude body. Yeah. She was not nude. Yeah. It was probably so drenched in blood, though. That's true. Maybe, but still. He was like, I just want to talk about nakedness on TV. <laughs> Yeah, but, but yeah. they're, like, wheeling Steve out, and, like, there's blood all over his face. They brought Ronnie out in the chair. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. That's in the director-director's cut. He's, he's permanently part of the Lazy Boy now. But I do like one thing about this montage, is we get to a point where everything freeze frames. Like, all, at least all the people. The lights are still flashing. Yes. But all the people stop moving, and then we pan over to Michael in the back of the cop car, and he turns and looks at the camera. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like, that was, that was very cool. But we cut uh, Smith's Grove 11 months later. Guilty. Incarcerated. Yep. We find out that Dr. Loomis has been assigned to look after Michael while incarcerated in Smith's Grove. Uh, We see Loomis talking to Michael. At this point, Michael is still talking. He seems almost like a normal kid. Loomis asks him about Halloween night, and Michael remembers nothing about it, claiming that he didn't do the killings. That was somebody else. So we see mom visiting. Uh, he keeps asking when he can come home. She te- and then he asks her if everyone at home is okay. She tells him everything is fine. So clearly he's snapped and is disconnected from the events that have happened. Mm-hmm. Cut to that night, we meet Danny Trejo, the janitor. The kindly janitor. <laughs> Where he talks to Michael in his cell, telling him not to let the walls get, him, or get to him, and hinting at having spent some time in prison. He explains that Michael has to learn to live within his own head, and no one can trap him there. 
Oh, he learns to live in his own head, all right. Certainly does. We see another session with Loomis, uh, and this is the first one where Michael has a mask on. It's all black, and then we get the color conversation where he's like, it's my favorite color, and he's like, oh, it's not really a color. It's the the absence absence of color. color. Mm -hmm. You know, so he asks, why do you, you know, why do you want it? He goes, because no one sees me. So Michael's starting to put on these faces. Some time passes. Mom comes for another visit. We see Michael has made yet another mask. He tells her he likes it because they hide his face. So she tells him she doesn't want him to hide his face, and she misses him very much. Now we cut to Christmas time. We see Loomis coming in with gifts while Deck the Halls plays. Smash cut to Michael and yet another mask screaming at Loomis, Fuck you, fuck you all. I hate it here. I hate it. I want to go home. <laughs> and he, he breaks down. Like, he's, he's like, broken here. Um, and it's kind of sad. Deborah makes a comment, too, in a, an earlier scene that as time is progressing... She says he looks worse and worse, and he mm. really does. Like, his eyes start to get sunken in. Yeah. He's very pale, getting gaunt, yep. not washing his hair. He's getting like Steve. He hasn't <laughs> washed his hair in 17 years by the time he breaks out. Think yeah. about that. He's totally got dirt dick. <laughs> dick dirt. Dick dirt. Dick dirt. <laughs> dick dirt, dirt dick. Ah, <laughs> uh, dirt dickler. Oh, um. But anyway, what if someone's last name really was Dirt, like Joe Dirt, mm-hmm. Dick Dirt, <laughs> Richard Dirt. You done got the Dick Dirt, boy. Who are you going uh, out with tonight, Dick Dirt? <laughs> <laughs> Wear protection. You're gonna get an infection. Oh man! But we see, like, so basically, this whole scene, like, now in the director's cut, <clears throat> there's more like black and white shots of Loomis talking and recording Michael. Mm-hmm. Um, in the theatrical cut, we just kind of see time passing and Michael slowly sinking further and further into insanity. He gets to a point, like, I want to say it's like springtime, where they're walking outside in the yard and he has a mask on and his mom tries to take the mask off and all he'll say is, put my mask back on. Put my, like, he won't say anything else yeah. until she puts the mask back on him. <clears throat> so we cut to, uh, we, we see mom, Loomis, and Michael sitting in the cafeteria after, like, quite some time has passed. Michael is quiet and unmoving. Mom gives him a black and white photo of his baby sister. Michael has no reaction. She says her goodbyes and goes to leave. Loomis says he'll walk her out and asks the nurse to sit with Michael. Uh, Once mom and Loomis are gone, the nurse picks up the photo and comments, cute baby. Turns her back to Michael while reading the paper. Now in the director's cut, she says, cute baby, and then goes, couldn't be related to you. (laughs) So there's definitely a major difference in tone. Uh, but in the, in the theatrical cottage, she just says cute baby and goes to read the paper and Michael picks up a fork and stabs her in the fucking neck. Yeah. <laughs> and then I really like this whole sequence because <clears throat> you can't hear what anyone is saying. It's just the siren. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Loomis and Deborah run back into the building. Yep. There's all these orderlies running in. The nurse is bleeding out and the one guy's just like, hey, what do you want me to do? <laughs> Oh, I wish we had a video podcast. <laughs> the look on your face. I just work here. <laughs> Forget about it. Right. <laughs> She's dead. She got a fork in her fucking neck. And they're trying to pull... This is where you see, like, Judith is... Not you Judith, mean, uh, Deborah. Deborah. Like, any hope that she had is gone at the end of this scene. Yeah. Because she goes to grab her son to hold him... And he just lashes out at her like he's a, like a feral animal. Yeah, because she takes his mask off. Yes. She pulls the mask off and he just starts screaming. And it's, again, all in silent. We just see him thrashing around. And she jumps back and starts crying. Yeah. And it's like, oh, it's, it's depressing. 
Um, but yeah, so Michael is fucking gone. So now we, we cut to mom. There is no Mr. Michael. <laughs> <laughs> no, Mr. Michael, I'm not here. <laughs> and this part is so sad. It's sad, but it's also super fucked up. Because it's like... She so we cut to Deborah watching home movies of her family and, and crying. It, yeah, and this if you remember we mentioned this on Amityville the the old home movie trope. Yeah, it's in every horror movie. But she picks up a gun and basically is like "fuck my baby" and just shoots herself in the head. And then you hear Boo screaming. Yeah, I'm like, what the fuck, dude? Like you just basically murdered your baby, like because if no one found her, you know. It's like, well, I'm sure when yeah, she didn't show up for work that night. This is true. Well, I don't know. Maybe her patrons yeah, will come looking. You, I mean, her depression level is probably a, a billion. She has no concept of right. Right. Her child. so fucking sad. She just wanted to end it. Yeah. You, you have no choice. Yeah. When you that's make true. that choice, you don't care what's around you. Just, I felt bad for the baby. I'm like, because because that that's the heartbreaking part to me. It's like it's sad, and then when you hear that gunshot followed by the baby cry, it's like, oh Jesus Christ! Like that's. Oof. I'm sure the way that baby was screaming, somebody. Yeah, I mean, clearly someone did, yeah. but it just freaked me out. Like, it, it got to me. It, it's that whole thing I've said before, like, children in peril yeah. always freaks me out, and this one just, like, it rattled me. And you know who who responded to the call? Sheriff Brick! <laughs> <laughs> Old Chucky himself. But, uh, so we cut to black, and it says 15 years later. Now cut to old man Danny Trejo showing around the new guy, Noel, Lou Temple. Hmm. Which, you know that he did not cut his hair. He was not wearing a wig. He oh. had his ponytail tucked up in his hat. <laughs> yes, he did. Come on now. Danny, Tre- Danny Trejo, Machete does not cut his hair for anybody. He's like Samson. You're right. <laughs> he gets a strength from that. And his tattoos. Yes. <laughs> but we, fi- we find out that Danny is retiring in three months, and the new guy is cl- clearly has a chip on his shoulder. I know you people work real hard. <laughs> But I don't take orders from nobody. I was like, what? I'm my own dick. boss. I mean, I love Lou Temple, but yeah, he plays a dick in this movie. So they, they go to Michael's room, and uh, which is now covered in handmade masks. Which is really fucking cool, though. Yeah, it did look cool. And then Noel is a, com- a complete douche. Like, he goes to grab one of the masks, and <laughs> Daddy's like, hey, don't, don't touch his mask. And he's like, what the fuck's wrong with you? <laughs> he starts getting all mad. He goes, what do you say? You, you got a hard on for this one or something? <laughs> something like that. And he's like, hey, you know, shut up. He goes, me and Michael go way back. Or Mikey. Me and Mikey go way back. <laughs> but they get him in his shackles and take him to go see Loomis. So we find out that Michael hasn't spoken since the incident 15 years ago. Loomis tells him he's done everything he could for him, and it's his last day with him. Now, in the director's cut, we see Loomis walking out of the building. Like he says his goodbyes. Walks out of the building and like looks back at the building multiple times before going to his car. In the theatrical cut, it just smash cuts to Loomis kind of giving I his I have speech. to move on. Yes. Move on means I need to make some money yes. off of my tell-all. Mm-hmm. And see, and that's the one part about the director's cut where I will say I feel like the scene transition worked better in the director's cut. Mm-hmm. Because it made Loomis feel more like he was at a loss. Like, he's like, I did everything I could, I, and he was reluctantly saying goodbye. Whereas theatrical cut was like, fuck you, I got money to make. But in the theatrical cut, that kind of sets Loomis up for how he is in part two, part two. Which I love. Yes. So I prefer the theatrical, the theatrical. cut for this goodbye. Because yeah. it's like, I have, to, I have to move on. Yep. And this is the tale those blackened eyes. <laughs> yep. If my old man knows. Because we, we see the... <laughs> 
we see Loomis giving the speech about his book, The Devil's Eyes. He goes, these eyes will deceive you. They will destroy you. They will take you, or they will take away your innocence, your pride, and eventually your soul. These eyes do not see what you and I see. Behind these eyes, one finds only blackness, the absence of light. These are the eyes of a psychopath. And then back at Smith's Grove, we see a bunch of officers getting ready to take Michael to transfer him to to a new facility. Now, during this sequence, they kind of, they're moving him through, uh, like, a checkpoint. There's, like, a gated-off area. Mm -hmm. Kind of like at the dog park. Right. (laughs) Michael waits for them to unlock the gate and then turns and fucking beats the shit out of him. He, like, snaps the the, the gauntlets. Mm Mm-hmm. And he freaking, like, beats the fuck out of Bill Mosley and then rips out the throat of Leslie Easterbrook with his bare hands. Like, it's it's brutal. Tom Towles just gets his head bashed in. Yep. Like, it is fucking crazy. What happened to the other guy, though? Because there were four of them. I think Michael just picked him up and threw him. Because <laughs> it shows yes. him dragging him later. Yes, that's the one that he threw. Because <laughs> he's, he's got the poor guy by his leg and he's just dragging him, leaving well, a blood trail. Yes, that's right, that's right. <laughs> but now... In the alternate version of this, uh, we get a scene of two orderlies taking a girl into Michael's room and violently raping her on his bed while wearing his masks. Uh, Michael gets pissed and kills them. And I'm like, this whole scene, it, it just, it, like I said at the start, it just feels gratuitous because how did he escape? He'd right. still have to make it through all the locked gates. Like, how the fuck did he get out? So I, don't, I really don't like that scene at Also, all. and I don't think, I don't like when... This is going to... I want to think of how I want to say this so it doesn't come out wrong. Mm -hmm. So I'll use an example. The last house on the left. Right. That rape plays... That's part of the plot. Exactly. I spit on your grave, and I know we've had numerous talks about this. The whole point of that revenge movie is she's getting revenge on these men who brutally gang-raped her. Yes. This scene and the director's cut is just... It's just gratuitous. Yeah, it's just a shock. I don't like... That type no. of violence for me, where it's gratuitous. Like I don't like rape. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I have a very hard time with with rape in as a story device. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, don't get me wrong. There are plenty of movies that have done it. I don't, I don't even want to say well, but have done it respectfully in a way where it doesn't feel gratuitous. Yes. And there are many stories like the rape revenge genre where it is an integral part to the plot. I don't like it. But it is part of the plot. So it's like, I get it. I get why it needs to be there. Something like this, or we see in a lot of like 80s slasher movies where there's just a forced sex scene. It's literally just for shock value. And yeah, it does shock the audience. So it does what it sets out to do. But I feel that's lazy. I feel mm-hmm. it's it's lazy and it's uninteresting and honestly just gross. Like, I don't want to see it. Right. You know? And like, there were other ways for him to let us know that Lou Temple got killed. Right, exactly. He could literally, he could just, when he was breaking out, we could have seen Lou be like, hey, you, get back in your fucking cell. And he could have just broke his neck and be like, bye-bye, Lou. Right, or <laughs> when uh, Ishmael shows mm-hmm. up, Danny Trejo, when he shows up and he's walking around instead of that poor nurse, yeah, it could have been, been Lou. Temple. Right. Mm-hmm. There were plenty of ways to do it. And, and honestly, I just, I feel like it was a big messed up on, on Rob Zombie's part. But... So we, we cut to old Danny coming back to work. The place is oddly quiet. <laughs> and as he walks in, we see a nurse bleeding out and, as Michael stands over her. Danny stumbles across the carnage of the murdered cops, and boom, Michael is standing behind him. And he, like, drops his metal lunch bag, <laughs> yep. lunch pail from the 1950s. But he's still rocking. <laughs> yep. 
He's like, oh, Mike. And you can tell he's like really, he is scared. And you can see the sweat on his brow. Danny Trejo don't get scared. Right, Machete don't get scared. (laughs) Yeah, Machete don't get scared. He's like, all right, let's... And he reaches down to the dead cop and takes the handcuffs. He goes, yeah. uh, and he even, he's, he's so calm about it. He's like, I, I got to put these on you, Mikey. I got to take you back to your room now, okay? Like, he's talking to him the whole time. Like, he's talked to him for the last 15 years. Yep. Like, he's a person. Yeah. And then, of course, Michael snaps and just starts slamming him the fuck. This scene is so sad. Because he's, like, drowning him in, in the sink. And he's crying, I was good to you. I, I was, was good, good to you, Mikey. I was like, oh, God. Mm-hmm. Poor Danny. And then you think he's dead, but no. He's got to fill him, finish him off with the TV. Yep. Picks up a television. One of them old school 80s TVs. Like in Scream. <laughs> yeah. Like how Stu dies. <laughs> Only Danny didn't have the right. sound that Stu had. Uh, but uh, I hate that they killed Danny. And that's why I think the fact, I think the director's cut where he kills the nurse earlier mm-hmm. makes this scene more powerful. I can see that. See, I, I kind of like the fact that he's just fucking snapped in general. You know, yeah. that he's just killing everybody. But now we cut to Loomis getting a call in the middle of the night from Clint Howard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> who tells him... The like, ice cream man. <laughs> he's like, ah, oh, damn it, Loomis, I don't know what to do. It's a massacre in here, I tell you, a massacre. <laughs> so Loomis agrees to get down there right away. So now we cut to a, a truck stop where Big Joe Grizzly has got to take a shit. Do you think that Clint Howard's head has always been that big? Like, do you think his mom had to have a C-section? Oh, I hope so, for her sake. Because <laughs> otherwise, oh boy, that was painful. <laughs> He's the younger brother of Ron Howard, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. I think so. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> yeah, if he went first, Ron just fell out. <laughs> Hot dog down a hallway. Oh, Grizzly's oh. back in town, baby! <laughs> oh, Ken Foray. He goes into the bathroom. Now, you two don't have to answer this, but Maurice, I'm sure you will. (laughs) Do men really look at porn magazines while they're taking a shit? Like, does that... No. I cannot say I ever have. Because here's... You don't want to get a Woody while taking a shit. Like, that's just weird. Like, wouldn't you... I would think that that would, like, ruin sex for you forever. (laughs) Or if that's your thing. I don't know. Like, hey, we talked about Scatman earlier. That is true. I mean, I've read magazines. But he, oh, yeah. What does he say? Yeah, I got yeah. a... He's like, I got a three... Like a triple-decker burrito or something. Well, because Michael comes in and he pounds on the door. He goes, hey, buddy, just to give you a heads up, I got a Taco Deluxe Supreme talking back at me, so I'm going to be a while. <laughs> and the sick thing, too, is that Michael is so tall. Yeah. He can see over the top. He can see that he's reading, like, play goal. <laughs> Did you see his muddy feet, though? Yes, I got stuff to say about that, okay? I got stuff to say about that. So he's taking a shit while reading a porno mag, and then Michael just keeps banging on the door. And he's like, he's like, all right, you're going to get it now, bitch. Oh, wait, wrong movie. <laughs> oh, real, real Mud quick, butt. Real quick, he goes, so he goes, you mind waiting somewhere else and let me pass this beast in peace? <laughs> that line cracks me up every time. And it's like he took off his whole, like, overall suit to take a shit. Yeah, he don't want to get no poo on it. That's right, because who knows where his next stop's going to be. And he's like, all right, that's it. And he pulls a knife out of his ass. Like, (laughs) where did it come from? 
Like, did he have it? Because I would imagine that he has, like, one of those onesies on with, like, the butt flap. Yeah, it's, it's totally that. It's the long john with the butt yeah, flap. Yeah, the long yeah. john with the butt flap. Did he have, like, a little, like, pouch sewn in for the knife? <laughs> he probably had, like, a knife carrier or something. Yeah, something, like, on his thigh or, or boot or something. <laughs> I was going to say his booty. <laughs> he might have one up his booty. You never know. Maybe so that's what he was trying to pass. takes out the knife, pulls up his pants, mud butt. Yep. Oh, once again with the mud butt. And then Michael just, like... Right in the gut. They're fighting. Mm-hmm. Michael's bashing him, bending the, the wall of the stall. Yeah. Stabs him in the stomach. Is that Supreme going to come out through his stomach now? Like, does he not have to take a shit anymore? It might, it might come out both ends. That's yeah. true. Some out the stomach, some out the pooper. Yeah. <laughs> you looked like you were really considering the logistics of that for a second. Like, well, yes, I do believe this makes sense. Well, I'm trying to think, like, was he, did he stab him low enough or, like, maybe it was the intestines? Ah. <laughs> Whatever. So he basically, he kills Joe Grizzly with his knife and then dresses up in his, uh, his overalls, overalls and his and, boots. Yep. So here are my questions. One, did Michael wash his feet before he put the boots on? Oh, hell no. no okay. He didn't wash. So now he's probably going to get infections. Oh, yeah. I'm sure he already has infections. Two, how convenient... <laughs> That Joe Grizzly, who is not as tall as Michael, <laughs> right. didn't look like he was wearing clam diggers in his overall suit, and his boots fit him. Yep. Very convenient. I mean, Ken Four is close. He's it's more realistic than the mechanic in the original movie. This is true. Yeah. 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 And and the mechanic in every single one of the sequels. Yes. <laughs> but so now we we cue Mr. Sandman, Haddonfield, Illinois, October thirty first. We meet the Strodes. And we get the, the hardware conversation, hardware store conversation, where Ooh, Mr. Str- he's a dirty pervert, and he wants to touch me in all the wrong ways. Ooh! And she, she puts finger- bagels over, she puts bagels over her titties and then finger bangs the hole. <laughs> and I love, I love freaking, um, oh my god, uh, E.T.'s mom, D. Walls. I, I love, <laughs> I can't think, I can't think of her damn name. I love her reaction, because you can tell she was ready to laugh. Like she was like, Laurie, stop it. Mm-hmm. And they cut away real quick. Mm-hmm. But, oh, my God. I love the dad, though, because he's just complaining about the hardware. She's so like, oh, another hardware store going out of business. And she's like, yeah, well, it wasn't as cheap as, it was basically like a whatever Walmart store they were talking mm-hmm. about. And he's like, that's what's written in America. Small-time business. <laughs> oh, it was funny. Back in my day, we walked uphill three ways to school and snow. <laughs> no shoes. Barefoot. Yep. So dad heads off to work, Lori heads off to school, and he thanks her for agreeing to drop off some paperwork at a house he's selling, and the two part ways. On her way to school, we see young Tommy Doyle come running up, and... <laughs> I love the dynamic in this entire movie between Tommy and Lori. Me too. Especially later on, he's, when she's babysitting. He, I lo- Actually, the kid actors in this, both of them, I think, are really good. Yes. Like, they, they are very kid-like while not being annoying other than the annoying kid factor that every kid does. Yes. I, I loved it. But as soon as I saw it, I was like, Evil Dastin and motherfucker! Mm. <laughs> Wait, what was that song? Tom E. D. Yeah. He was gonna die tonight, motherfucker. He was dying tonight. <laughs> Say what? He was gonna die tonight. <laughs> Oh, when we eventually get to that one, my God. You know the thing, excuse the tangent for a moment, but it will always irk me. Like, the idea of having a lynch mob and being like, evil dies tonight, okay, that's cool. But it almost became a call and response by halfway through the movie. They were like, you know, Tommy would be giving some speech. I say evil dies tonight. I say evil dies tonight. Well, because it was like he'd be giving a speech and someone would be like, 
Evil dies tonight. He's like, evil dies tonight. Evil dies tonight. And then he would continue his speech. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? Play um, free bird! <laughs> the only one that died was that pathetic motherfucker. Right. But did he? He better oh. be. I can't fucking stand him. We're going to find out that he's one of the Silver Shamrock robots. Yeah, right. <laughs> I read something that's like in one of those horror yeah. groups that the ending of Halloween, what it, Halloween ends. ends. And we're going to find out that Michael is just an advanced silver yep. shamrock <laughs> robot. Well, I mean, it's been the theory since, what, part five, uh, part six. Yep. Yeah. So, but, uh, yeah, so Tommy comes running up to her and he starts talking to her about that, the disease that I cannot say the name of that we talked about on the Wolfman, but the Wolfman disease, the hypotrichosis or whatever. Oh, Danny the Wolfman. Yeah. Yeah. We'll just say Danny the Wolfman disease. Right. And um, so Tommy is your your standard hyper adolescent boy, and Laurie is his babysitter. So they cut to the Myers house, and we see Michael inside, having broken uh, having broken in. Up in the attic, <coughs> he rips up some floorboards and pulls out a butcher knife and the now ratty and cracked iconic latex mask. I love the look of the mask in this. How did he hide that in the first place? He's a kid. He probably just went up to the attic and. But know. he had to break the floorboards to get it back out. Maybe someone boarded it up. I don't know. <laughs> movie's got a movie. Yeah, movie's got a movie. I accept that. <laughs> but Lori and Tommy stop at the house. and This is the house that Lori has to drop the papers off to. Tommy tells her it's the devil's house and the boogeyman lives there. I love this part. She's like, oh, Tommy. And she walks up to like put it in the mail slot. And she's like, oh, Tommy. Tommy. <laughs> it's got he, me. It's got me. It's got me. And Michael's standing there on the other side of the door just like looking at her hands like, the fuck? <laughs> What's this dizzy broad doing? <laughs> I'm just so confused. And so he's like, ha ha, Lori. <laughs> so did Michael like get a whiff and he's like, that's a Myers. <laughs> <laughs> that's my boo. <laughs> but Tommy tells her not to mess with the boogeyman. <laughs> oh my God. I forget that song that I wrote for Josh for the Michael Myers, David Bowie. <laughs> that's right. Oh my god, I forgot about that one. Oh. Uh, but we, we cut to Lori, Annie, and Linda at school in the library making plans for Lori to cover for Annie so she can go screw her boyfriend, Paul. So, okay. So if you think about it, unless she's giving Lori the money... Right. She, Lindsay's parents are paying her to have sex with her boyfriend. On their couch. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's just dirty. But... While the girls talk, Lori looks out the window and notices Michael standing on the side of the road just staring at them. Both this remake version and the original I I find fucking creepy. Like, it's well done in both movies. Yeah. I I love it in the original because of how Lori's in class and she just kind of happens to do that daydreaming thing we all did Mm -hmm. and look out the window and see this dude in a mask staring at her. But the teacher calls on her and she's like, uh, and has to, like, go back to answer and then looks back and he's still there. It's like... That's fucking eerie, but this is really well done as well. So the girls continue making their plans, and Michael disappears. Cut to Loomis leaving Smith's Grove pissed off. He tra- he's trying to tell Udo Kier and Clint Howard to get on the phone and call the authorities. Shane's like, there's a vampire in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I said, yes, there is. We're just going to go with it. Udo Kier is also Spermula. <laughs> he, was, he was in a porn called Spermula. I'm going to pretend <laughs> I don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly what you think it is. Oh my god! Like how Jim Henson got Menomina from a Swedish porn. 
I recently told somebody that, and they were like, shut the fuck up. And I was like, no, it's true. <laughs> Look it up. Look it out in the Googles. Oh, man. So he tells them to, to call the authorities and tell them who broke out and where he's going. And they're like, you don't know where he's going. But you don't know where he is going. <laughs> I love his reaction. He's like, the hell I don't. And he just slams his car door and takes off. He's like, <laughs> So good. <laughs> oh, I'm laughing because last night I tried to get Ripley to get in her crate, mm. which she wouldn't. So I tried like the treat thing. Come on. So right. she would take a couple steps toward me. I'm sorry. I got a new puppy a week <laughs> right. and a half ago. So we're going to incorporate going forward some hijinks about her too. So I tried to get her to come to me with like the, by like dangling the treat. Like, come on. Mm-hmm. I would get like right to the door of the crate and she would do like. I'm gonna call. I'm gonna tell her she's doing a Doctor Loomis from now on. She just did this thing where she like whipped her head around and was like, mm! and like stamped her little paws. Nice. So now we cut to the girls leaving school. They spot Michael standing on the side of the road. Lori tries to tell her friends that she thinks he's watching them, and Andy and Linda seem unfazed by this and comment that Linda's he's just like, a pervert. You should date him. <laughs> And she's like, he's just some pervert cruising, cruising school poontang. <laughs> I was like, poontang? I haven't heard that term in forever. Wasn't that a movie? Pootie tang. Pootie tang. Okay. <laughs> I'm um, sure there is a movie called Poontang. Oh, I'm sure there is. <laughs> we could probably find it over at Talk of the Town. Um, oh, rest in peace. <laughs> oh, is that closed? I didn't know that. Oh, no, that's the, no, that's the one that... No, that's the one that's open. I'm thinking of the one that Josh used to work in. Oh, Horizon. Horizon, yeah. yeah. No, Talk of the Town is open. Actually, when they started lifting the restrictions, mm-hmm. they had a sign, like, you know how they have that billboard, like, when yeah. you drive by? It says, we're back! <laughs> All the perverts rejoice. Yeah. But, oh, I love it, because Annie and Linda start taunting Michael, and he walks away. Then Annie's dad pulls up, and it's old Charles Lee Ray himself. <laughs> And he offers the girl a ride, or the girls a ride, and Annie hops in while Lori and Linda pass. Linda's like, sorry, pig mobiles make me nauseous. <laughs> I was He's like, like, suit yourself. <laughs> right. So we cut to Loomis in a graveyard with Sid Haig talking about the Myers incident. And I love how he had, Sid Haig has no clue who Loomis is. He's like, the doctor involved. I think he wrote a book or something. Fucking blood money. <laughs> Loomis goes, yeah, I read that book. It was a masterpiece. <laughs> So they they finally come up on a uh, was it like a coyote carcass, uh, yeah, on a cross. Yeah, strung up on a cross, and Sid flips out, thinking that it's kids pulling a sick Halloween prank. Loomis realizes that it's it's uh, Deborah Meyer's grave and leaves because the gravestone was gone. I thought it was Judith's that he knocked off. Was it Judith? Oh yeah, it might have been Judith. Sorry, um, they don't ever show it, do they? They no. don't because it just says Myers. Myers but yeah. I think. I think that it's Judith because of the scene with Linda coming up. Yes. Okay. It probably is Judith. Yeah. That that's why I sense. thought, because there were so many similarities between. Yeah. I never really put the two and two together. So I thought this was Myers. <laughs> but that makes a lot well, more sure sense. Well, it sure as fuck ain't Ronnie. This is true. Because his him. last name was White. Mm-hmm. I hope he wasn't Boo's dad. <laughs> oh, no. I hope not. But. I hope it was that nice gentleman who was walking her car. When she was coming home after all the murders happened, she was like, nope, can't tonight. Son got in trouble at school again, (laughs) killing them animals. He's like, oh, damn. 
But we cut to that night. We see Linda and Bob showing up at the Myers house with sleeping bags and beer. Mm. Basically, it's the ba- the abandoned house that they fuck in. So I never noticed this before. Mm. Well, I watched it yesterday, critically, again. <clears throat> but Michael Myers is on the second floor. Yeah, he's just yeah. watching him. <laughs> yeah, I've never noticed that, and I saw it last night. He's like, who the fuck is this? I don't... I don't it's my house ain't clean for company. What are you talking about? That <laughs> house ain't been cleaned a long time. I, I think he's got two more victims. He's oh, yeah. salivating about He's that. like, where's my mate? Oh, God. I was just telling a friend about that movie. Oh, <laughs> it's, such it's a good so movie. Good. But we cut to them fucking inside. And I love this because Bob's like, oh, my calf is cramping. And then he's like, oh, uh, uh. And she's like, a little warning would be nice. <laughs> like... His calf cramped and he came. Is that kind of like autoerotic asphyxiation? I was like, is that what does it for you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, oh my God. <laughs> Were you around when Hadalak and the guys used to play the punch me in the leg until I get a cramp? Yeah. <laughs> the old Charlie Horse game. Yep. Give me Charlie Horse. Charlie Horses make him come. <laughs> Oh, man, so Bob Come, come, finishes. my lady, come, come, my lady. You're my Charlie horse, sugar baby. <laughs> oh, my God, crazy town. I haven't thought of them in forever. <laughs> now called Charlie horse. <laughs> but Bob finishes, and Linda tells him to go get him, get her another beer. And he goes, you get it. I'm the one that did all the heavy lifting. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and the look she gives him, he's like, I'll go get the beer. And then don't hear the Reapers playing as she rolls on her side like mm-hmm. Judith Myers did. Yep. And that is her bedroom, too, they're in. Yep. And then Michael watches, watches Bob uh, go outside and follows him. Linda calls Lori to chit-chat. Do you think I'm a slut? Because there is a thing <laughs> yeah. I, with the cheerleading. Yeah, where Annie called her a slut. And yeah. she's like, you don't think I'm a slut like Annie does, do you? We see, uh, okay. So... Why does nobody clean the empty beer cans out of a cooler full of ice? Right. Well, he even says that. He's like, who put all these empties in here? I think it was Michael Myers. Like, yeah, Michael was like, did he need leaving all these beer courage? cans around. No, I think he, like, I think they were full. Oh, when he maybe poured he poured them just, out? Uh, yeah. Oh. See, I just pictured. Oh, because it reminded him of Ronnie. I pictured Michael just picking up the beer. Who left these beer cans here? This neighborhood is going to hell in a handbasket. Animals, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm picturing oh. him wearing, like, cargo shorts. <laughs> he's got a little apron on. <laughs> like, he's got his knife for grilling and a chef's hat. God damn it! <laughs> I just cleaned this just cleaned this yard. Oh, man. So Bob gets the beer and comes in with a sheet over him dressed like a ghost. <laughs> Michael fucking rushes him out of nowhere. Beats the shit out of him and stabs him to the wall. That would never actually happen. Oh, Mythbusters God, no. taught us that. But it was fucking brutal. It was. It, it, it was. looked great. So Michael then dresses in a sheet and gets Bob's glasses and goes up to the room with Linda where we get them titties and that ass. Hot damn. But now I this, feel like in the director's cut you could see Bush. You could see more than Bush. Like you you could you could see everything. Hello. <laughs> Cause Beef curtains. In the director's cut, he kind of lifts her up, and it's just like, hello. <laughs> like, camera, That's right. That's camera right. center. Because um, I remember the first time I saw that on DVD, I was like, holy shit. Like, okay, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> um, but yeah, she, she gets annoyed, and she goes to grab the beer from him, and he chokes her the fuck out, killing her. Bye, Linda. So she did. 
We cut to Loomis in a gun shop looking to arm himself where he gets a magnum. <laughs> because he's like, oh, well, that one looks big. I'll take that one. <laughs> oh, my God. Like in Texas Chainsaw 2. <laughs> trying out the chainsaws. I love that scene. so Because I, I love the crazy. He's like, <laughs> he's not saying words. He's just grunting excitedly. Yep. <laughs> oh, but. <clears throat> so we cut to that night. The Strodes are giving candy to the trick-or-treaters. And, um. This is where, uh, was it, Mr. Strode says to, to Lori, who's getting ready to go babysitting, he's like, be careful of all the nutcases out on Halloween. And then Annie pulls up and, you know, to pick up Lori, they take off. Meanwhile, we see Michael watching from the shadows across the street. He's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> peekaboo. <laughs> I love it because as soon as the girls leave, Dad tries to get some. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, it's Dee Wallace. Right? And she's like, I'll give you some loving later. <laughs> and so he, he finishes a cigarette, and this scene is, it's its a worthy jump scene. He, like, it is. He jumps up, and he, I, he punches him in the face. Yeah, but he did, if you look closely, he, like, hits him in the face, like, open palm, like he pushes him, but his knife is in his gut. Yeah. I was like, Jesus, like, he just double punched this guy. But yeah, because, like, Mr. Strode turns, he's smoking a cigarette, and when he goes to, like, look back at, like, the street, Michael just pummels him. Do you know why? What's that? He fucking littered. Ah, Michael was still pissed about the beer cans. Yep. He's like, fucking cigarette butts, fuck you. He's <laughs> like, do you know they can cause a fire? You got mulch. <laughs> it's been a dry month. <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> but yeah, he, he fucks him up. And I was like, this is, I have it in my note here, this is actually one of the few jump scares I like. Yeah. You know, because I normally don't like jump scares, but I'm like, this one works. It's a good payoff. And it still gets me. Yeah, same. Mm-hmm. You know it's like, coming. And yeah. you're still like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, every time. But, so he busts into the front door of the Strode house. Mom looks up to see Michael and her dead husband. She attempts to defend herself, and Michael just throws, like, throws her weapons aside. So Michael shows her a picture of Lori, and she screams to leave her baby alone. Michael then brutalizes the fuck out of her and kills her. Now, in the director's cut, as we mentioned, this scene is a lot more brutal. Yeah. Like, there's a lot more blood, a lot more, like, throwing D. Wallace around. And then we smash cut to Tommy Doyle, dressed like Otis for, from the end of House of Thousand Corpses. Yep. <laughs> and he's asking Laurie if the boogeyman is real. Run, rabbit! <laughs> exactly. Run, rabbit, run! Laurie teases, <laughs> teases him, telling, them, telling him the boogeyman... Ugh, the boogeyman is real, and he's gonna get him. <laughs> he goes, that's not appropriate babysitting behavior, Laurie. I just, I love the dynamic between the two of them. He's so good. But Laurie gets a call from Annie, where, uh, who tells her that the Wallaces are finally gone, and she'll be dropping off Lindsay soon and heading off to meet Paul. Wait, isn't this, is this when she's, like, tormenting him? She's like, he's gonna get you, he's gonna get you. Yeah. And he's like, stop it, Laurie. She's like, hold that thought. Yep. I love, I laugh every time I watch this movie when that happens. So we cut to Lindsay watching the thing from another world. And behind her in the shadows is Michael just standing there watching as well. He's like, you know, oh, I never got to see how this ended. <laughs> He's just watching it. Can I, can I have some of your popcorn? Right. He's just chilling. And I love this because Annie calls to Lindsay telling her to get ready. You're uh, going to see your boyfriend, Tommy Doyle. And she's like, she goes, she's like, get your jacket on. She goes, okay. And then she comes in, and Michael's gone, and Lindsay still watches TV. She goes, I told you to get your jacket on. She goes, no, you didn't. <laughs> and she's like, yes, I did. She goes, mm-mm. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, oh. Because 
the thing is, like, anyone who's had an interaction with a kid at this age mm-hmm. knows they get in those little bratty moments where they totally zone you out. And then when you ask them, like, why didn't you do the thing you said you were doing? They're like, you didn't ask. Yeah. That's <laughs> like, you little shit. Oh, man. So they, they you know, take off and <clears throat> go to walk across the street. And I love this because Michael just walks out the house behind him and watches. Yeah. And it's like, oh, that's fucking eerie. But they get over to the Doyle's house and um, <laughs> they're watching House on Haunted Hill. Well, because as soon as they knock on the door, like, your girlfriend's here. And he's like, I don't like girls. Why does nobody get this? <laughs> he just opens the door and lets them in. And uh, we get the girl humping moment where. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what is the friend's name? Uh, ben, uh, it's, it, well, it's Paul's, Paul's friend, Ben Tramer. Ben Tramer. And he said, what did he say about me? He said. And I and quote. And I quote. Dude, she's like fucking hot. <laughs> and Lori's like, really? <laughs> she's so happy. She's like, you need a boyfriend. And then they're like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Up against the wall. And the kids are just like, what the fuck? <laughs> I, I love it because Tommy's reaction is like, he has the butthead stare. Like, uh. Yeah. <laughs> like, he just looks grossed out. And Lindsay's like, shut up, Beavis. <laughs> <laughs> But Paul pulls up and Annie goes running out to meet him. Michael watches as they go. So they they get in the car to drive across the street and pull up the driveway. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I skipped one one part. Uh, there was a scene between all this where Loomis shows up at the police station to talk right. to Sheriff Brackett. Um, and Brackett doesn't believe him. And furthermore, he's pissed at him about the book that he wrote and basically like all the blood money you've made on this town. So now we cut from Annie and Paul going back to the Wallace's house to Brackett and Loomis at the police station. And uh, this is where Brackett's like, you know, I know who you are. And frankly, I don't like you very much. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So they have their little back and forth. Loomis assures him that Michael has come back to Haddonfield. He's come for his sister. And he goes, to do what? And he goes, he doesn't know, but he's come for her and it can't be good. So. um, This little piggy went to market. (laughs) Brackett tells him that uh, that if he breaks a promise he made long ago, that Loomis has to play it straight with him. And he then picks up the phone and calls the Strode House. We see the grisly montage of the Strode House, like all the blood and everything. Brackett leaves a message and hangs up. He goes, hello, this is Sheriff Brackett. Can you hear me? Mason, you there? Mason, you there? Pick up. Pick up if you can hear me. I used to hate that when people would call, like when oh. we had an answering machine. Yep. Al, Jeannie. Anybody hump Susie? Suzanne? <laughs> like, if I didn't answer, I'm not fucking answering. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't but, care about my car's extended warranty. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But we see, uh, we see Lori and the kiddos as they annoy the hell out of her with more questions about the boogeyman. Then over to Annie and Paul doing the hibbity dibbity on the Wallace's couch while Michael She's watches. She's got great tits. Yes, she does. <laughs> I will agree. But I have a question here. How are they fucking with the pants on? Neither one of them seemed to unbutton or unzip hunting. anything. I, he was making sounds like he got in there. <laughs> I thought she was wearing a skirt. She, she was wearing a skirt. Yeah, but he had his pants still fully up. Well. He might have had them unbuttoned. And yeah, unzip them. Who wants to grind on a zipper? Like, that's Maybe just, he got off on He that. was only in high school. He didn't know any better. <laughs> that just seems highly uncomfortable. Oh, man. But Michael grabs Paul and kills him. <laughs> so that's more he uncomfortable. He literally, like, picks him up by the neck and is like, goodbye. 
He was like, bad, naughty. Naughty. <laughs> he turned into Ricky. Oh, my God. Or Billy. Both. Either one. <laughs> it's same, garbage day. Same difference. It's the same movie. <laughs> oh Silent God. Night, Deadly Night 2 is just really the extended version of the first one. <laughs> it's the recap. It's the Cliff's Notes. It's oh man! It's like the extended edition of the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So Annie tries to run out of the house, but Michael grabs her and pulls her back in. And I love this. This shot is fantastic because she opens the door, screaming, goes to run out, and he just grabs her, yanks her back in, and closes the door. And we get the quiet, like suburban street. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, that's fucking eerie. So Annie tries to fight. She grabs a knife, goes to stab Michael, but he belts her across the face, bloodying her nose, and drags her away. This scene is really hard to watch. Yeah. Like, he brutalizes her. So we cut to Brackett and Loomis in the Brackett mobile, and we get a big info dump. So we find out Brackett's telling Loomis that he responded to a 911 call about it was Mrs. Strode committing suicide, or not Mrs. Strode, um, Mrs. Myers committing suicide. Um, he, finds the, he finds the baby and doesn't want her growing up with this looming over her head. So, with this, doesn't he say with his noose around her neck? Something like that, yeah. yeah. And then so he takes her to the next town over, drops her off in an emergency room, and omits her from the report. So did he just like, you know how you can like leave babies at fires? Yeah. No one saw the bracket mobile pull up and the just, <laughs> do, 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 do. What did he put her in like a, a basket with like snacks? He, he just drove by and was like, Eliop, and just hucked her out of the car. You're a baby, you'll bounce. <laughs> He had to put a helmet on her, though, because it was a soft spot. <laughs> oh, you after him. Oh, bubble baby. <laughs> he put her in a box of shipping peanuts. Oh, man. After in bubble wrap. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, who ordered a package? Oh, my God, it's a baby. <laughs> oh, shit. So he says... A month later, my friend Mason Strode tells me that they've adopted a baby girl. From the so. emergency room two towns <laughs> over. Because right. you can adopt a baby from a hospital? Of course. I mean, in This Is Us, they did. They, well, they were like, did anyone lose a baby? It's over here in the Lost and Found with the hats. <laughs> and these condoms. <laughs> like, I did. I lost that baby. Oh, man. So we cut to Lori walking Lindsay home. They open the door, turn on the lights, and bam. See dead <laughs> Paul hanging from the ceiling with a jack-o'-lantern on his head and Annie laying laying bloody and bruised on the carpet. Lindsay Lori. has... Lindsay has a fantastic scream, though. Yes, she does. <laughs> she just fucking shrieks. And Lori tells her to run for help. Lori checks on Annie and She's goes like, to call baby, the baby, baby, yeah. what happened? This scene... <clears throat> fucking brutal, man. I'm really sad that, um, why does it escape me? The actress that plays Lori. Oh, uh, uh, Scout Taylor Compton? Yes. Yeah. I am really sad that she has not made a bigger career for herself. I agree. She's really good in these she movies. She is really good in these movies. I mean, she could have been the next Danielle Harris. Oh, absolutely. But I don't think she wanted to do a lot of horror, though. Oh, okay. Well, I think, but I mean, I know she does a podcast with, uh, with Danielle Harris. Oh. So I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet, but it's, I, I follow them on Instagram, mm-hmm. and they're always posting clips from their podcast. So I do have to go and, and check it out one of these days. Huh. Okay. But, Tag me in one of their Instagram posts, because I okay. would love to... I didn't know that. Yeah. No, they're... I, I, like, the, the clips are always funny. Like, it's always them talking about, like, sex or weird shit that happened on, on set for different movies. Mm-hmm. And 
So it's it's pretty funny. But um, Lori so, goes to call nine one one. Yeah, and Annie's just laying there going, "Lori," and she's just getting more and more desperate and, and screaming. We see Michael. Yeah, she's <laughs> like, "Lori!" <laughs> but <coughs> we see the. Oh, oh time out. <coughs> Got to take a sip of water after that. <laughs> Got a bit verklempt. <laughs> this old lady cannot be a scream queen. <laughs> We, we've all re- we've passed that era. Yep. <laughs> um, but yeah, we see uh, as Lindsay runs back out of the house, we see the front door slowly close. And Michael was just standing behind the front door. And he walks past Annie, who is trying to scream desperately for Lori. But it's like she can't warn her as Michael's slowly approaching Lori. And this is something that pisses me off in horror movies. Mm-hmm. On this entire... Bloody street, literally. Right. Nobody's home. Right. Not one fucking person is home. And it's Halloween night. You'd think most people would be home. Exactly. You can't hear a little seven-year-old running the street screaming help. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. But, um, so yeah, so Michael comes out, like I said, was just chilling behind the door. We cut to Brackett, who hears about the 911 call and finds out that it, uh, who called it was Lori, Loomis freaks out saying Michael found her. They spin the car around in the other direction and take off. They said it's about 10 minutes away. Meanwhile, Lori is still on the phone. Annie is screaming, trying to warn her, but Michael grabs Lori. And now they're reunited and it feels so good. Reunited and the murderer should. <laughs> exactly. So Lori breaks free, breaks free and backs away slowly as he walks toward her. This whole scene is genuinely freaky as fuck. Yeah. Uh, Lori gets outside screaming for help while Michael gives chase. She makes her way back to the Doyle's house. Every time you ever say gives, gives chase, chase, I think of naked dickless George who gives <laughs> chase. I mean, yeah. <laughs> That's appropriate. Aw. Clothed dickless Michael gives chase. Keep in mind, we still have the remake to cover one of these days. <laughs> That with, one with is, Georgina. Georgina, yes, I did like the remake. <laughs> Me too. But so she get, gets back to the Doyle's house, pounds on it until Tommy lets her in, and he slams the door and, the, and tells the kids to get upstairs. And we see Michael just standing outside the door, looking in the little window up top. Hello. <laughs> and we get again. We get that great Lindsay scream where she just turns and just shrieks like a fucking raptor. <laughs> they go running upstairs. Michael breaks down the door and Lori and the kids, you know, lock themselves in the, in the upstairs bathroom. Outside, the cops arrive on the scene. They begin looking through the house. One of the cops makes his way up, upstairs toward the bathroom and asks Lori to unlock the door. She asks if Michael's still out there. And he's like, no, no one's out here. <laughs> Liar. <laughs> Nobody's out here. I can't see anybody. <laughs> yeah, I have no peripheral vision. I'm in a horror movie. She reaches, reaches for the door to unlock it, and suddenly Michael grabs the cop, slamming him against the door and stabbing the fuck out of him. And you it's like a glass blood. door. Yeah, so we see the blood running out of his mouth. So Michael busts in after Lori and the kids. The other cop shows up just as Michael's about to grab him. And he shoot, doesn't he shoot at him? Yes. Another cop? And Michael just runs at him like a fucking freight train. Yep. I was like, Jesus A Christ. linebacker. Yeah. He could play for the Buffalo Bills. He barely reacts to getting shot. And he's just like, fuck you, and just stabs the shit out of him. So he then goes in the bathroom, grabs Lori, and drags her out. And it's fucking terrifying when he corners her. Because mm-hmm. they're just cornered. He just reaches down, like, you're coming with me. 
Um, so Michael Michael knocks Lori out and carries her away from the Doyle's place. Brackett and Loomis show up. Brackett finds his daughter brutalized. Again, this scene is really fucking hard to watch. And he, you can hear that, it in oh, his voice. Oh, that shake. This is, again, why Brad Dourif is so fucking good. Mm-hmm. Like, he's so good in this. But Loomis flags down the emergency services and waves them to the Wallace's house. He then sees Tommy and Lindsay screaming about the boogeyman and running down the street. <laughs> they tell him that he took Lori away. Loomis takes off to Meyer's old house. Cut to Lori waking up in the Meyer's house next to dead Linda. She's like, um, Linda, listen. Listen, <laughs> Linda. Wake up. She's like, bleh. <laughs> and we see uh, Judith's tombstone. I like bump up your bum. <laughs> we see the tombstone and a jack-o'-lantern. Lori freaks out crying over her dead friend. Michael slowly approaches from the shadows. She begs Michael not to hurt her. He drops the knife and kneels down next to her. He reaches in his pocket, pulls out the black and white photo of himself and Boo, and like kind of shows it to her. She doesn't understand and begs him to stop. He insists that she looks at the photo like he keeps shoving it in her face. Like, mm, look at this now. <laughs> you look now. <laughs> and um, she sees the knife laying there and goes ahead and takes the photo. Michael slowly takes his mask off, showing her his face. Lori doesn't understand, like, who he is, what's going on. She's like, I don't know them! Well, she's like, I want to help you, I just don't understand. She slowly grabs the knife and then stabs him without dropping the photo. Like, and she gets him, like, right in the fucking meat of the neck. Yeah. He's like, oof, that hurts. But, so he fucking falls over. He's he's down. She starts breaking down the doors of the basement trying to escape. <coughs> Was it? Meanwhile, Michael wakes up, yanks the knife out. Like, again, like nothing. He's just like, shlink. She pulls it out, puts the mask on, while Laurie is trying to escape the basement. Michael just plows through the fucking wall like a juggernaut. Laurie breaks her way outside. Michael goes after her. She falls into an empty swimming pool and screams for help. Because bitches always be falling into empty swimming pools. <laughs> exactly. That had to hurt, though. Yeah. Like, because she fell in the deep end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, that was a good 12-foot drop. Michael saw it. He was like, should have taken the stairs. <laughs> See, this is where you walk in, not over there. But I love it because he paces back and forth outside the pool, staring at her, then slowly begins making his way toward her, and she's trapped. Suddenly, Loomis calls out for him to stop. Michael stops, looks at him for a moment, and then continues after Lori. Loomis pulls out the gun, begs him to stop. He's forced to shoot, but Michael keeps going. <coughs> So he's forced to shoot him again and again until finally Michael falls over. Loomis helps Laurie out of the pool where they leave Michael for dead. But I'm not dead yet! (laughs) He helps her into the police car uh, that was left by the two dead officers. And here we get a slightly different take on the iconic line where Laurie asks, was that the boogeyman? And Loomis says, as a matter of fact, I do believe it was. And then Michael's like, whoa! (laughs) You shot me, man! He's like, I ain't dead yet, motherfucker! (laughs) And he breaks the window and fucking pulls Lori out through the window, wearing <laughs> Loomis's jacket. And now Loomis is like, God damn it, I paid a lot of money for that coat. <laughs> Great bit of trivia, though, is they didn't tell Malcolm that that was going to happen. So because they were having way too much fun scaring the shit out of him, because mm-hmm. apparently Tyler really freaked Malcolm out. Mm-hmm. So they they knew like they they told him that there's going to be a scene where Michael gets Lori away from you but apparently there was a whole section of dialogue that they were supposed to have before it happened mm-hmm. so he wasn't expecting it so his reaction of Jesus Christ was his actual reaction <laughs> and like listening to the commentary track 
like Rob Zombie is so happy with himself about that because he's just like giddy when he's telling the story. <laughs> oh, I love his reaction. So yeah, he, he drags Lori out, like you said, drags her into the house. Loomis begs him to let her go, telling him it's not it's not her, it's my fault. I failed you. Michael drops her and grabs Loomis by the face and begin, begins squeezing his head till the juice comes out. Mm-hmm. So it looked, I always think, and I know this isn't actually what happens, but every time I watch this, when the blood starts coming out, yeah. I think that he's doing the eyes. Yes. But that's the thing, like, it makes it look like Loomis is fucking dead. Yes. Like, how the hell did he come so back? So there's all this blood, mm-hmm. but then when we see him, there isn't all that much blood. Yeah, exactly. It's like, wait a second. But yeah, so he he drops him after squishing his head. And then Laurie scrambles upstairs and uh, ends up scrambling into a hole in the wall and hiding. Bitches always be running upstairs. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so Michael drags Loomis in, uh, Loomis's seemingly lifeless body into the house and then continues looking for Laurie. Michael's like, fuck this wall. <laughs> right. Fuck this wall. Then it's, fuck this ceiling. <laughs> yeah. He totally but... does a creature from the Black Lagoon. Oh my God, I love that meme. <laughs> <laughs> fuck this, fuck that, fuck you. But Michael passes the, the hidey hole in the wall and then circles back around and begins breaking the wall. Now, Lori snuck out perfectly quiet. Like, she snuck out of her little hidey hole back out into the hallway. And then she gets to Loomis and she's like... <laughs> right, that's my problem. I'm like, oh my God, I, I mentioned this, uh, Maurice, I don't know if it was on Amityville, it was one of our recent episodes, where I was like, I hate it when people are like, they're not being quiet. They're like, hello! It's oh, like, yeah. why are you... That's not being quiet! Was <laughs> it Fright Night or was it Amityville? It was, it was one Amityville. of them. Yeah, I was like, why are you... Ah, that's not... That's so annoying. But... So she's like hiding around the corner and Michael's punching holes in the wall. And then she sees Loomis's gun laying near his body and goes to grab it right, right as Michael rounds the corner and sees her. Lori runs and hides in the ceiling like a squirrel. <laughs> Michael gets himself a big stick and begins punching holes in the ceiling. I heard raccoons are worse than squirrels in your ceiling. I imagine they would be. Yeah. Our neighbors, our elderly neighbors, Uh, one day I was like, this is last week, I go, why is the side of their house torn up, like, at at the roof? Raccoons. Colleen told me they had a raccoon in their attic. Squirrely little bastards. Yep. But, so he's punching holes in the ceiling. And Laurie tries to crawl, crawl away, but ends up falling through the ceiling. Slowly, she gets to her feet, bloody and bruised. She stands up, and this is just a brutal scene. She stands up, points the gun at Michael. He rushes her, and the two go flying out the window over the balcony to the ground below. Spears her into the ground. <laughs> right? <laughs> then Michael is seemingly unconscious. Laurie is all kinds of fucked up. She slowly sits up on top of him. And you can see the glass shards mm-hmm. in her hand. And, and then she, she gets the gun. She points it at his face, clicks, nothing. Clicks again, nothing. He grabs her hand, aims it at his own head. She clicks it again, boom. Blood splatters her face. Lori screams a siren's approach. Close up on her bloody face, transitioning to young to the young baby and in Michael's arms. Credits, the end. Now, I know that a lot of people hate that fucking ending. I love that ending. I do too. It is so good. I, and I've said this before on the show. I'm a big fan of the, the, like, the very quick resolution where it's like, holy shit, what just happened? And then credits. It's like, whoa. Like, mm-hmm. uh, like Texas Chainsaw. Uh, Hills Have Eyes. Like, those types of just brutal, 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 boom, ending. 
It's like, oh, you don't have a chance Mm -hmm. to breathe. I love that. Now, the alternate ending. Have you guys watched the alternate ending to this? A long time ago. It's very much like Frankenstein versus the villagers. So after Michael gets uh, Lori out of the car, he's like dragging her back to the house. Loomis is begging him to stop. The cops, like Brackett and all the other cops, start to show up. So they all got their guns on him. They're he, uh, Loomis is trying to get them to stop. And he's like, Michael, please let her go. She has nothing to do with this. And he looks down and he sees how terrified Lori is. And it's like something clicks, like he's scaring his baby sister. And he slowly lowers his knife and drops it and then lets her go. And as soon as she's out of harm's way, the cops open fire and gun him down. So it's like there's this moment where it's like he's human again. So Oh, I do remember seeing that. Yeah. It's like, I like it. Don't get me wrong. I like it, but I much prefer this ending. I think this ending is way better. It's much, it's more better. It's way more better. Better, Way more better. Oh, man. But yeah, so there there is a ton of trivia. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go through all of this. Um, but uh, Tyler Maine is the the tallest actor to portray Michael Myers at the height of six eight. That's a big motherfucker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Malcolm McDowell apparently ruined a shitload of takes by invoking hysterical laughter in the other actors, like he was always trying to make people laugh, <laughs> which is one of the reasons Rob Zombie kept scaring him <laughs> to get him back. <laughs> Um, William Forsyth actually injured his leg prior to shooting, which is why they had the character in a cast and an arm brace, because he was actually fucked up. <laughs> so they're like, well, Ronnie's going to be fucked up now. <laughs> so, and apparently, as much, for as much shit as this gets, before this was even decided upon doing, Rob Zombie went to John Carpenter and talked to him about this, and was like, basically wanting him to either give him a yay or nay. And he was like, if he wasn't into it, I wasn't going to touch it. And Carpenter basically said, you know, do whatever you want. Make it your own. Like, he gave him his full blessing. Mm-hmm. You know, so all the people that are like, yeah, you shouldn't touch the original. Like, the fucking creator of the original was like, have at it. Right. So shut up. <laughs> <clears throat> but they did have plans to do Halloween 3, like With we talked Lori about. Lori taking the mantle of, yep. yeah. But apparently uh, the, the, the last two didn't make enough money. So they were like, no, you know, we're not going to do this. We're going we're gonna to reboot it later. Mm. So. And call it Halloween. <laughs> the sequel to Halloween. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, forget 2000, but forget that Halloween happened yep. between Halloween and Halloween. <laughs> forget all that other stuff. It's like, oh my I God. I really wish that they would have been able to do it, much like I wish that they would have, after part five, mm-hmm. Jamie would have picked up the mantle. Right. Of being the killer, but no, they had to go with Paul. Well, well no, it would have been part four. Because Jamie stabs uh, her mom in part four, and then this part five, she's in the asylum where she can't talk. That's yeah. right. Yes, yeah. part four. Man, and that's the thing. I like part four. Part five is so bad. <laughs> and then part mm. six is just mm. terrible. It's like her mouth is sewn shut like in Strangeland. Yep. The only part in part five, well, okay, there's two parts in part five that I really like. The scene where Jamie is in the, um, the uh, whatchamacallit, the laundry chute. And she's, like, trying to hide. And yes. Michael's, like, stabbing the knife through the laundry chute. That scene is awesome. <laughs> the scene where Loomis basically beats the shit out of Michael. Because mm-hmm. he drops, like, a chain net on him. And it's just, like, hitting him with a stick. <laughs> People get hit a lot with sticks in these movies. Yeah. Part six is just... The only good thing about it is Paul Rudd. Yeah. But he's not a good Tommy Doyle. No, he's not, but he's dweeny. He has the... <laughs> he's better than Anthony Michael Hall. That's true. 
But they he, should have brought him back. They really should. He still looks the same. He does. <laughs> fucking vampire. <laughs> um, but no, like... I'd fucking. <laughs> I mean, well, yeah, me too. Uh, <laughs> but no, the... Uh, what was I going to say? The, the, he has... The way his character is played in part six, it reminds me a lot of Creighton Duke from Friday the 13th 9. He's got that weird yeah. swagger and, like, understanding of the weird mysticism around this. That nobody else does. Yeah, like, there's no explanation of why he has this information. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's weird. But... Maybe in Halloween Ends, they'll bring all the Tommy Doyles back. <laughs> uh, the Maldivers? Yes. No, they're the robots. <laughs> it's not really Michael, it's the Tommies. Yes. <laughs> The multiverse of Michael or Tommy's <laughs> of Tommy Doyle, <laughs> and the Tommy Doyle of madness. What a shitty sequel! Oh my god, we're gonna do a sequel all about the many Tommy Doyles. <laughs> we're gonna bring back the original one from nineteen seventy-eight too. Oh my god, that would be fantastic. Oh shit, but yeah, overall, I mean, this this is just a fun fucking movie. Like, I really like it. Um. I think I like it better than the 2018 Halloween. I know everyone loves that one, but I liked it. No, I definitely I like the Rob Zombie movies way better. Yeah, I I think that they should have went with this timeline. I really do. I feel like you know continue on with this timeline. We could have got the cool you know Laurie as the murderer, mm-hmm. um, you know, and then eventually just fucking remake it again. Who cares? Like you know, it's yeah. when enough time passes, you can do it again. But. I don't know. I, I'm. I will see Halloween ends, but after Halloween kills, I'm not too impressed. So, because evil fucking dies tonight, but it didn't die. <laughs> it didn't die, Tommy. Did it? <laughs> did it? <laughs> you go and sit and think about what you didn't do. <laughs> you didn't live up to your promise, damn it! Oh man. So, anyone have any final thoughts on this? Uh, this here revisit of our very first episode. Stop hating on my boy. On my boo. <laughs> Yep. If you know me, you know how much I love Rob Zombie and always have since high school. Same. What about you, Reese? Any final thoughts? No. No? Just well, like just, it? You know. Just good to go. Just good to go. <laughs> I've already said this before. Yep. Well, uh, we'll do our social medias. We are The Boogeyman's Closet on both Facebook and Instagram. Uh, Maurice handles our Twitter. And what is that good, sir? And Boogeyman's the... Thank you very much. Uh, as we mentioned several times, we do have a Patreon. Uh, it's $3 a month for all of our unedited episodes, as well as one exclusive episode every month. Higher costs get you more, like, get you stuff like, you know, artwork in the mail, get you a chance to pick birthday episodes, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. However, as of this recording, we will be pausing that Patreon um, for about a month. So we are going to take a break in June. I did mention a little bit of this on the Crazies episode, but... We have a hiatus, a much-needed hiatus planned. We're all very busy with a lot of stuff going on right now. So we're just going to take a nice little break. We will be back, hopefully, right right in the first week of July, uh, as long as everything goes according to plan, with a completely new format. So when we get there, we will explain the new format. Uh, hopefully, uh, it's, it's a refresher for the show. Hopefully, everyone digs what we, we have planned. I think it's going to be a lot of fun because it's going to offer a lot more chances for personal takes on these films and it'll also open the doors a little wider for a lot of guests. So we might even be able to do more than two guests at a time, depending on how the show goes. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So hopefully you guys have enjoyed 
for the last three years of the Boogeyman's Closet. Jesus, I can't believe we've been doing this, this that long. But thank you all for listening, and uh, we hope that you guys come back in July to hear our new, uh, our new and improved Boogeyman's Closet. But with that, this is Mike saying goodbye. See ya. Evil dies tonight. Motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs>